Hello and welcome to Ditching Hourly. I'm Jonathan Stark. Today I am joined by guest Mitch Harima. Mitch, welcome to the show. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Can you tell folks a little bit about who you are and what you do before we get started? Yeah. Um, so I work at Bulb Digital. We do Office 365 consulting and um, we focus on helping people make the most out of their Office 365 subscription and um, help engage their people and automate business processes. Uh, I play a role kind of in operations and uh, new business development, as well as marketing, um, but traditionally come from a software development background. So I've kind of grown into all of those areas over the years. A hybrid. Nice. Right. Cool. Um, great. Well, uh, we met at MYOB in Atlanta, yep. and we were talking there about some of the high ticket productized services you guys offer over there. Uh, and I, I dig the positioning, the platform specialization and so forth, but we wanted to talk about, uh, and maybe we'll get to that, but what can you tell us about uh, your definition of productized services and what you mean by high ticket? Yeah. So we started off um, doing hourly billing and then I discovered uh, your content and we trekked down the path of ditching hourly and we started to figure out, hey, it would be really great if we could have an easy way that was easy to understand and start getting involved with organizations, some way that they could see a price, understand a scope and a deliverable and um, deliver on that thing and, and consider it something that we actually sell. So um, instead of starting with almost no, like a, a rough scope and saying, here's our early rate, let's go. Um, it, it caused us to, um, do a little bit more homework up front. And um, when we took all the things into account that we normally evaluate, when we start working with new clients, um, the price started to add up more and more. And um, so we, we we went pretty far down the path of productized services uh, pretty quickly. And we kind of discovered it was maybe a little bit too far. <laughs> um, and we've, we've slowly been rolling it back over the years, but in other um, words, putting too much scope into it. Yeah. Yeah. In, in trying to cast a like multi-year plan when really they just need a couple months to start. Right. Mm. Yeah. That sounds more like it My in my experience, productized services are, it's a nice balance of risk and reward if they take, you know, anywhere from five to 25 or 30 hours across the course of a couple of weeks to maybe six or eight weeks. Yep. So you want them to be pretty easy for everybody to get their head around. The scope shouldn't really, I mean, there'll be differences from client to client, of course, but the the boundary lines should be really bright. So people are like, oh, right. you know, like what's, what's out of bounds should be super obvious. Yep. You, I'm curious, like go, you said years, how, when did you start? When did you, do you remember when you launched your first productized service? Oh, probably two years ago, probably in 2020, it was kind of a defining moment for us where we started marketing, picking a, a niche and trying to, we've been trying to go down the fixed uh, price route for more years than that. But um, really that was when we finally got everything in order and declared this is a, a service, a productized service that we provide. Cool. And do you remember back then scope wise what it looked like in terms of person hours and uh, like once once you sort of got through the initial like like trials or whatever you you know your first draft of it was it big or little back then just if you could give people a sense of you know how much it cost about how much work went into it how you felt it went profitability wise that kind of thing what what, yeah. what were your learnings really from that first sure. couple of tries so we had some that ranged from like 5k, which were really small, um, really specific positioning. You had to be in the right, uh, the right audience for one of those <clears throat> all the way to a hundred grand for a large, like we'll say 500 person. These are all made up, uh, uh, structures of what large means, but a large organization that needs a multi-year plan, like to improve their employee experience and automate as many business processes as, as possible. Um, and honestly, we, we walked back over the years for good reasons because we didn't really sell those, mm -hmm. but we would have anticipated that would take probably hundreds of hours to really 
be able to make the right recommendations and and be informed well enough to um you know give an educated uh response there so right. most of them now have scaled back to somewhere between five ten all the way up to like 45 grand mm-hmm. and those um they're still in a process where some of them are we've done them once and so we have a playbook and we can get all the meetings scheduled all the interviews done and we have all the slide decks ready all all those things that you normally would um have to build for the first version of it and we're starting to feel that with doing it again for for the second third times um and that really helps with the the hours spent so somewhere less than i don't know 100 hours but hopefully somewhere in the 40 50 range cool yeah that that's that's pretty reasonable it's still on the large side in my experience but yeah. as long as you are feeling that the the cost cutting sort of like the leverage that you've created by doing the first one and then being able to repurpose all of the materials to deliver something as good or better even faster is right. the feeling you should have when you're doing productized services right Which, and, and just to like call out the obvious thing it would make no sense to do that if you were trading time for money you'd you'd recreate exactly. the slide dicks every time and then be charging the client for something that really you could have repurposed if that was part of your business model, if it made sense. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So, so those are still kind of on the large side. Like what's, what's a small one look like? You said, I think you said a $5,000 one. What's that sort of look like? Yeah. Well, uh, that one, I don't think we, that's kind of like my crutch, my like, Hey, it's our minimum level of engagement for, uh-huh. for people. Um, just so we're not dealing with a couple hundred dollars here and there. Um, our typical one is like 10 grand, which that is largely a handful of interviews, like four or five hour or so interviews. Plus we uh, work on our end and basically do quote unquote, as much work as necessary to create a three month plan. I kind of got the idea from David Baker where he says, I'm going to give you a a plan of action. Here's what you should do. And then for three months, we're going to be at your call. You can pick up a phone and you can call us or email us questions. And then if you hit, I think we label it three significant conversations, then you you've used that support or whatever. And so that is under the assumption that whatever we deliver as a plan, they can do it on their own and they just need us to tap on their they need to be able to tap on our shoulder and ask for extra help. Interesting. So I, I love that model. First of all, I love the idea of like, here's a detailed roadmap or a plan for you to execute. And we'll be on call for, I love how you said, tap us on the shoulder to ask us a question mm-hmm. because those pretty much always come up. They're just like, oh, this made sense when we read through it. But now that we're in the the thick of things, it's not obvious what this right. means exactly. Could you give right. us a... And, and you said, did you say that that's a hard three month? I think you said three month. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the phrasing is something like three months or three significant phone calls, whichever happens first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like the five year or 50,000. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. That's interesting that you, um, do you, just not to get into the weeds too much, but who from the client side is allowed to do the tapping? Is it anybody or is it just your main top level uh, project contact yeah at this point i it's just the project contact or maybe they have a small project team you know we're not gonna draw too hard of lines around it but um yeah when they need someone from that team that we've gotten to know through the process needs a hand mm-hmm. with the things that we've laid out for them they're welcome yep. to ask us cool and what's the uh what's the nature of your involvement at that point? Is it truly advisory? Like is the, there's like a phone call and that's it? Or do you like have to log into something or create some kind of deliverable to maybe communicate? Yeah. yeah. How, how much of a lift is it when, how much of a it lift depends. can it be? Right. Yeah. Cause like in a perfect world, it's something they can just throw over the wall and we'll shoot them back an email, make it quick and easy. But if they need more hands-on where it's like explaining a concept or we need to do a tiny bit of discovery type thing to help them get unstuck um then 
yeah, it's, it's, it's a phone call. It's, it's digging into those questions. And, um, that's why one of the three significant phone calls is kind of a good, uh, fallback on a threshold of what is too much. But, um, honestly, we would, we would hold off from any sort of like logging in to anything, doing any work on our own and more, um, helping them step through it. Mm-hmm. But it kind of depends on the client as to even when this three month starts, this three month yeah. phase starts was whether or not they actually need our help to do that thing, or if they can do it on their own. It's not uncommon for us to say, Hey, here's all these great things. Here's what ROI you'll see. And you should go do all these things. Good luck. And then say, hold on, wait, can you help us do all those things? It'll sound great. So um, that mechanism is, is, is good because it lets them, if, if they have people to do the work and they just need some steering and some, some rails put up for them, then it works well for them. If they need something more then we've already gotten to know them and know how they work a little bit and understand their business and can, can work better that way. Mm, Nice. Yeah. And that, that is a, absolute mirror of most people's experience when I talk to them about people who sell these road mapping or whatever you call it, those upfront strategic yep. or high level design architecture types we, of things. We, we have like three names for three different, it's like a kickstart or a roadmap or a discovery. Like we yeah. use them all. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's, it's reflected in my experience with a lot of people. If listeners wanted to check out, uh, if you search through the past episodes for one with Alex Hillman, he's a soloist and, and just like closes 100% of the implementation work for every roadmap he does. If, if he wants the work, he doesn't always yeah. want the work. Um, but it's, it's like a pretty much a no brainer. Like if you do, if current, if dear listener, if you're currently doing project work, you know, doing implementation and execution and that kind of thing. Uh, if, if you've been doing it a while and you're good at it and you, and you are comfortable making these bigger decisions, these higher level decisions up front. Maybe you do it every single time you start a new project in the first couple of weeks, but you're billing for it by the hour. If you break that off as a roadmap and sell it as a productized service at a, you know, a, a relatively fixed scope at a published price on your website and people buy that, it is like nine times out of 10, maybe more, the people are going to ask you for a quote for the implementation. And you can say, well, we do that. We'd be happy to do that. But this roadmap is totally portable. You could bring it to someone who's a lot more affordable than we are to do the actual implementation. Like our value is really in the upfront stuff. And then, no, no, no. Well, well, how much would it be? Could you just give us a quote? And they're almost like begging you for a quote. And, you know, and you give it to them and you can say, like, I told you it was going to be high. And, you know, but they're, they're going to have the trust that they have with you and your understanding of the situation. They're not going to want to redo all that work or some of that work with a new person who they don't trust. Some cost bias is real. Yeah, big time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not just that though. It is that for sure. But there's also the, the sort of devil, you know, or, well, that's not a good way to put it, (laughs) (laughs) but it, you just already know that it's going to be good. You already have these results. You're like, wow, I love the way they work. I get their sense of humor or whatever. Our personalities click, you know, it's going to be worth more money to them to not have to start a search from scratch and take a risk that they get a flake or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's real value there. It's a, it's a, I pretty much say it's, it's about as proven path as you're going to get in a sort of a sales, uh, in a sales, uh, domain. It's like do a roadmap. They're going to ask you to, for a quote on the implementation and you can decide if you want it or not and warn them that you're going to be the most expensive one. Right. And, and yeah, so the soapbox and soapbox (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's been a ton of fun um you know it gets us part of our engagement criteria is like hey we need to be able to talk to your leadership you know with an asterisk behind it whatever that means and that gets us the ear of the people that are making the decision and um yeah Yeah. it's like you were saying it gets them to know us and have some level of trust and um it's kind of a natural progression to to move into something after the fact as well. Mm-hmm. And I do want to address the fact that this isn't, this isn't really tricky or manipulative sales or high pressure or anything like that, because you are delivering value in the roadmap phase. Right. So it is portable, right? Like they could take it to someone else, uh, but building up that trust and, and, and delivering value 
I mean, that's how you built the trust is like right. you connect, but you also deliver value. And they're like, wow, this is great. We want more from this partner. Uh, so it's it's just a natural human progression. It's like dating before getting married, really. So it's mm -hmm. like, let's test drive the relationship with a very with a, with an engagement that's very low risk for both of us. It's a fixed price for them. So they don't have to worry about, you know, uh, their bank account leaking money, for, you know, potentially right. forever. And you don't have to worry about the risk of a, a unruly project that kind of goes sideways because there are so many unknown unknowns. So it's really good for both parties. It's low risk. And I just wanted to like call out the fact that, you know, it, it's effective, but it's not bad for the client. It's not like some kind of like high pressure sales thing that you're tricking them or sucking them into it. It's like right. good for everybody. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of just like, uh, on pulling back the wool from their eyes to what a future could be and them being like, Oh yeah. Okay. I get it. Let's, let's keep that train moving. And it's mm -hmm. not, yeah, there's no agenda outside of like, Hey, we just want to bring expose opportunity to you and, um, hopefully everyone gets on board. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, when I was doing client work, my main goal, like I, I would go so far as to say my work product was customer satisfaction. Mm -hmm. It wasn't code or features or some design. It was like a hundred percent customer satisfaction. Every time I could do it, I want, that's what I wanted. That was the reason that I stopped doing hourly in the first place. Cause I could find no way to satisfy the customer reliably with a clock ticking. So yeah. Um, yeah. How do you measure that? Which satisfaction? Well, yeah. Glowing testimonials. You will know me by the trail of smiling clients. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's one thing. It's totally subjective. Okay. Cause that's one thing in our, our process of we're, we're essentially selling confidence in a plan, mm -hmm. um, with these, these roadmap projects. And yeah, so predicting the future, yeah, we're trying to, uh, still nail down our best way to measure, um, that impact. Right. And so right now it's like a survey at the beginning and a survey at the end so that you can see how the numbers change or whatever, so, something like that. Um, it's still kind of a, a, a penciled in solution, but, um, it's fun to, to think along those lines as opposed to focusing on some like tactile deliverable. And it's more on like, how do you feel off mm -hmm. of how we interacted? Right. It's like, oh, we, you asked us to install a pool in your backyard and there it is. We installed the pool. See you later. Bye. Right. You know, that's not, but it's like, how are they going to use the pool? Is it like for their, you know, a, a gathering place for three generations every summer for a month? You know, like what's that worth? That's worth a different thing than like an above ground pool and a rental unit. You know, it's just totally different. So what I do is I have a list of six questions that I uh, use after a project that encourages the client, you know, the client will say something, something flattering and I'll say, oh, that's super nice to hear. Hey, would it be okay? You know, I'm updating my website. Would it be okay if I sent over a couple of questions that you could answer about the project? They always say yes. And they don't get to it right away, but they always say yes. And I send the mm -hmm. questions over and they're, the questions are specifically designed to produce numbers in the answers. So there's room for them to give qualitative feedback. Uh, but also the way the questions are phrased, it encourages them to also give numbers, either absolute or relative, like, oh, before, before Jonathan, we were at 50% and now we're at 95%, that kind of thing. And if you, if you know, you're going to send those questions at the end, it causes you to ask specific questions at the beginning, sure. knowing that that's what you're shooting for. So you're going to want to know, like, ideally, what number are you trying to move? And, and maybe you Mitch or you the dear listener you can't move the number they want to move but they believe that you can contribute to it with some leading indicator and you want to find out what that is yeah that's a fun one it it I imagine it could be as black and white in my world but it doesn't it doesn't always feel that black and white um just because it depends on how a client is is coming to us if it's hey my Office 365 subscription includes these things and I don't know how to use them. I want to know how to use them. Like there's usually some business driver there. It depends on who you're talking to. If it's the IT guy or the uh, human resources, talent experience person. But um, yeah, sometimes it can feel a little bit just like, okay, let's, let's validate what you think you need to do is what you actually need to do. And that's, part of the, the outcome is confidence in that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there's a, it, first of all, you're right. It is always squishy and subjective. It's never black and white in, in the objective sense, but it's pretty black and white in the subjective sense. So mm -hmm. if, if you talk to the real economic buyer up front, if you can do that, and they say, oh, we want to, you know, we have this software, we know we're not using it to the uh, full extent, then, you know, you just have the why conversation and which, which takes practice, it's an art, but you have the why conversation and you're like, well, who cares? Like, you're probably not using 100% of any of your software. Like, what's the problem you're trying to, like, right. why do you, why do you, you're coming to me with a solution, you self-diagnosed the solution. So like, why that? And you, if it, you know, from the top dog, you find out what they're really trying to do. Maybe it's increase productivity or decrease and blah, blah. They don't want to hire more people. They want to increase productivity of existing or whatever it is. And you're like, okay, in this particular client engagement, this is the needle I need to move. It might not be the same needle in every engagement, even though you're doing the exact same stuff, the needle you're trying to move can, the, the thing that you do, the activities you undertake can move lots of different needles. It's a question of like, why does this person care? And then you're like, well, do I have the confidence that I can do what this person ultimately wants? So, yeah, so it's, it's in the one sense, it's totally not black and white, but it is it, objectively, but it is subjectively. If you can get good at that why conversation, you'll find out what, what they're trying to change. What is that thing that they're trying to change? And then if you think you can do it, then, then you go do it. Yeah. And at the end, when you ask for the testimonial, that's the thing they're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, Related thing, I don't want to distract too much from the testimonial, but a, a recent learning in selling this productized service structure, um, we actually engaged with, in conversation with a, I'll call him a non-decision maker. Uh, he kind of self-assessed and chose one of our services, presented it to his leadership, wanted us to be involved in the conversation with his leadership, and we started off that conversation at the premise of this is really what they need. And uh, we just need to like answer any clarifying questions and it's all kind of all there, but turns out, nope, he picked the wrong thing. It was focused on the wrong part of their business. And so our whole like conversation got derailed by that, that concept of, this is not going to do what we need to do right. in the short term. And it was obvious. I wasn't going to like tell them they're wrong or anything Like they had a different pain point than what this spoke to. And so it mm. caught me totally off guard and it almost like deflated the whole conversation. And it was, mm. um, it was challenging. Yeah. So I think that's one of the, the, the challenges of productized services. Well, one, one thing I'll point out is that for your, especially for your higher price things, um, if the, if the influencer, if the person who's out there looking for stuff, looking for solutions, isn't the economic buyer, like they're two different people, then yeah, it, you can get into the situation when the, um, I don't know, the employee or the underling, the gatekeeper, whatever you want to call them, yep. when they bring it to the leadership, I mean, yours are sort of more expensive than others technically i wouldn't get on a phone call to sell a productized service it kind of defeats the point yeah we had but, this conversation too yeah we probably did right so yeah. it, it kind of defeats the point so it's kind of like well if the page doesn't sell itself i need to work on the page right not jump on a phone call. and maybe i would jump on the phone call to kind of like figure out what i'm doing wrong on the page just as a research thing once or twice but if if the page doesn't if the if the if the admin or whatever is like, oh, this is what we need. And it's like, okay, send it, buy it, go ahead, get approval. Like you do. Right. It. Right. And then you, then you, Mitch, you don't look like you're wasting the CEO's time or whatever, however that like, ugh, you know, you don't look like you're pitching. You don't look like, you know, you're trying to make something happen. Um, and you, and you're not, because the flip side is you could kind of throw the underling under the bus you have no choice but to throw the underling under the bus and say like like start off the meeting by saying like hey you know bob said that you guys really you know need this thing i'm yep. i don't know if that's true i don't know enough to know if that's accurate or not accurate so let's have essentially have a sales conversation yep right now yep. and then i can tell you if it's a good fit and if not what might be yeah so, so now you're doing sales which is the the point of the product i service is not have to do that yep i I fell into the trap, Jonathan. They <laughs> they brought he brought me into that meeting and said, "Hey, here's our CEO. 
want to tell them a little bit about what you do. And I, the win without pitching folks would be so upset with me. I, yeah. I fell for it. I, I went for it <laughs> and it totally, um, it made us be a vendor in, in the process and shot down. And you could totally feel it, right? Like, yeah. Like all of a sudden you're like, Ugh. I'm doing way too much talking here. <laughs> right. Right. I should be taking notes, not talking. Right. Yeah. You yep. can feel it's the worst feeling. Yep. I, I had one person jump on one time. It's like, uh, you know, I have this application process for a high ticket thing and, and, and said, okay, you know, it was like the application looked good. I jumped on the phone call and he started off by saying something to the effect of like, okay, sell me on this. And I was like, no, uh -huh. if, if you're not sold, this isn't going to work. Yep. And you, you just got to like, boom. And if, when you do stuff like that, you could possibly, you know, for future reference, if someone listening finds themselves in a situation like this, cause it's not that uncommon, then you, you, you just never want to pitch just fl it's, it's like. It's the worst thing to do. It's like the least effective thing to do. You want to flip it around and be like, I don't want to take your money if this is, isn't an obvious good fit. I'm not interested in your money. I want to deliver customer satisfaction, not like cash checks. Right. So if you derail the whole thing, but so, but, but in your situation, really hard to do without throwing that person who brought you in, who's trying to do you a favor in their mind, really right. hard to do it without throwing them under the bus and being like, uh, you know, Bob, you really shouldn't have scheduled this meeting and wasted everybody's time. <laughs> right. Yep. So yeah, yeah. that's a uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, it was a great learning experience. Uh, I, there's no better way to learn maybe outside of a role play exercise, but, <laughs> um, no, it's, it's been a fun road. I'll say one of the other challenges, like we, you talked about, uh, not having a call before selling it. Like in this case, it was, I think it was 25 grand on the mm -hmm. bottom line. And it's like, that's a lot to say, like, here, click this, put in your card info and go. Um, and so I think we're trying to balance that, that productized nature of it, that it's supposed to be just choose off the shelf and, and buy for yourself mm -hmm. with, Hey, we're open to having a conversation to like, make sure it's the right fit for you. Mm -hmm. So imagine if you're totally, that's totally true. Imagine if Bill Gates had a service like this for email three, like for, for whatever it's called, what's it called? Office 365. Office, yeah. And it was 25,000. It could be sell out every day. Like you'd be sold out every day. Right. So the, the problem, not, I'm not saying there's a problem, but the, the phone call thing isn't about the amount of money. It's about how much they trust you before they get on, before they buy. Right. Right. So the, the, the approach, if that's the kind of thing you want to do, dear listener, if you want to have like a, you know, push the envelope of how much you can ask someone to swipe their credit card for or ACH a payment to you is all about building your reputation. hundred yep. percent. That's all it is. Cause you, you even said earlier, it's like, you feel like you're selling confidence. It's true. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's been that. We, like I said, two years ago was kind of the kickoff of, of us productizing, doing some marketing. And that was the, the other side of the coin, which was let's get out there, start a YouTube channel, write blogs, all those kinds of things so that people get to know us and trust us. And uh, we get to help a lot of people along the way. And so mm -hmm. it's been super rewarding and, and tons of fun, but uh, not quite swipe a $25,000 <laughs> expense uh, level yet. Right. Yeah. Normally the people I talk to normally, the productized services will start anywhere from like 500 to a thousand for um, a one-off ad hoc phone call, like one-on-one -on -one phone call, just like, you know, clients like, I don't even know what I want, but I sense that you have what I want. Yep. You <laughs> do that I, too. Yeah. So, so there's, that's the no brainer. Like anybody right. that's good at anything that they do and sell services should put that on their website right now. It takes about 30 minutes tops, create a Calendly account, hook it up to your Stripe account, boom, done. Um, then there's usually, it's pretty common to have something, you know, that's 500 to 1,000, then something from the 1,000 to 5,000 or 2,500 to 5,000 to 7,500 is around $5,000 range that is a little bit more roadmappy where there's a meeting, maybe a couple of meetings, there's some research, there's some discovery, and then there's a report of some kind, some kind of recommendations at the end. And those sell in all across all kinds of industries for approximately five grand all the time. And we're talking about we're talking about small to medium businesses where you're probably dealing directly with the owner or someone in leader way up in leadership. 
when you start getting into enterprise, if people listening are doing enterprise sales, it's a different ball game. You could probably add a zero to both the dollar amounts and the uh, length of the sales cycle. You know, you could maybe 10x the sales cycle, 10x the price. Um, but you know, it sort of depends. But if you're selling to small to medium businesses, you can work directly with the owner. Five thousand dollars is like a no-brainer price in lots of lots of spaces. If you've got the street cred, like you're the go-to person for the thing, and they're like we're not even looking at anyone else, we've just been saving up the five grand. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. I I was just when you're talking about those price points, I was like evaluating could we hit those and. Um, I, I realized part of what is going on right now is because we're new to these things and still building some of the systems, we have maybe more people involved than should be because we're trying to reach consensus or train multiple people up on it, um, which inherently leads to higher cost. Um, that's not to say I don't think the service is, wor is worth it at all, but maybe our math to determine the bottom price uh yeah, the walk away is price. is fact is a factor based on how we're going about building this thing hmm. it could be so if you a lot of times when i work with someone to create a productized service the, the plan is like okay let's brainstorm what's some stuff you've done a bunch of times in the past and then okay great how does that usually go give me a timeline of the shared accountabilities for the thing from the moment that the client pays to the moment that you are done that you deliver the the whatever it is and then we look at the activities involved and that from, from which we derive a cost. Like what's the walk away price for the person I'm working with? Like what's the least amount of money you'd accept for this? A thousand dollars. Okay. So let's, let's maybe run a beta with three pilot uh, people. You get three beta customers or run a pilot program with three people. And it tells, it tells you a bunch of things. First of all, if they can't get three people, they're in trouble, you know, for free version of this a pro bono version of this service they're right. in trouble because it means it tells me they don't have access to the audience they're trying to sell to but if they're like okay that's not a problem i got three no problem you say okay the deal is in exchange it's it's we know money will change hands but it is not free it's in exchange for feedback on the marketing sales and delivery of it of the product of the productized service and uh, uh pricing guidance we'll have a pricing conversation after the fact and then if you're happy with the outcome, I would love a testimonial. So, so you're getting all of that stuff in exchange for the uh, doing the work pro bono. Mm -hmm. And the thing that the thing that you're looking, one of the things you're looking for is in that delivery piece. So in, with their beta customers or beta clients, you'd look and say, all right, what are the things that you felt really added value? And what things did we do that you didn't really care about? And you could just cut the ones they didn't care about straight out. <laughs> and yeah. decrease your costs and then uh, so there could be things that you are you originally imagined were going to feel high value uh, and you're doing them but you don't actually know if they're perceived as high value and it's extremely common for people when they're looking at this price they want to charge like i want to i want to have a productized service that costs ten thousand dollars and to themselves they will often justify what they think think what they perceive to themselves as a high price by doing more work, regardless of whether or not that's providing any additional value to the client. Right. So they just add busy work in to justify the price. Right. It's very, very common. And I'll, you know, so I'll look at this timeline of the shared accountabilities and be like, well, why, why are you going to do that? And they're like, right. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Seems like the thing to do. Seems like the thing to do. It's like they can't, they don't even realize why they're doing it. They're doing it. They're padding their hours, basically. Right. They're, they're saying like, look, I'm doing all this hard. I'm working hard to justify this number. It's like, no, yeah. take all the hard work out. The more hard work you can take out without decreasing the value commensurate amount. Like if you can decrease your work by a factor of 10, but only decrease the value by a factor of two, then you've created a much more profitable scenario for yourself. Yeah. I, th I think we've been on a natural progression to towards that because like I said, we started off where the highest one was like a hundred grand and that's crazy. But uh, we're, net, we're now selling the same, I'll call it feeling for 10 grand. Mm -hmm. they, they don't really care about how far in the future we're planning or how deep we necessarily go. If we go deep enough to make them feel good in the short term and, and confident, mm -hmm. then we're, we're doing our job. 
yeah, I love that language choice. So like, like that you're selling a feeling and people, especially engineering types. And I've got an engineering background, well, software, if you want to call that engineering <laughs> and, and, but very logical, very like it works or it doesn't work. And like the idea of selling a feeling is like, sell the sizzle, not the steak. And like, just gets people's eyes rolling. Uh -huh. But if you step back and think, well, how do you think it would affect your business if you were delivering a hundred percent customer satisfaction every time and your clients were all raving about how expensive you were, but how worth it it was. Every penny was worth it. It's like customer satisfaction. That would be great for your business. Like no doubt they have word of mouth. You'd have powerful marketing. You'd have great testimonials. You'd be, have a packed pipeline. Well, guess what? Customer satisfaction is nothing but a feeling. It is a lack or the, the sort of other end of the spectrum of buyer's remorse. So if you deliver buyer's remorse to all of your clients, that is also a feeling. You could deliver all the code and features and, and PDFs and calendars and all the things that you said you were going to do. But if they regret the money they invested in you, even if it's even if they believe it's their fault, if they regret the purchase, they're not going to rave about you to their friends, even though it's not your fault. Right. And especially if it is your fault. <laughs> so so that's all we're doing. Like I sometimes resist boiling it down to this but that is what it boils down to right. they are either happy or sad that they gave you this pile of money and if they're happy you will do great if you can right. continue to make people happy that they gave you their money people will continue to give you their money and that is a nothing but a feeling totally subjective qualitative and you can support right. it with numbers and and those sorts of things to to sort of justify to the rational mind but ultimately Everybody is selling, everybody who sells something is selling a feeling. Anyway. Yeah. I, I feel like we're on a constant path of like, if you're used to working with people who once you get in the door and you work with them and for a while and, and help them out and you're used to hearing, oh my gosh, I love these guys. These guys are great. Mm -hmm. All we're trying to do is like figure out how to get there the fastest and the easiest to understand way. Yeah. Fastest path to value. Yeah. Fastest path to love, <laughs> fastest yeah, path exactly. to positive feelings. Exactly. Right. It's like my my uh, my last and forever. Uh, I think only only boss. I've had a couple of bosses. No. So my last boss years ago used to have this line. Uh, it was like we need to get get points on the board. He would be like get points on the board. So we'd have a new project would come in, and he'd be like get points on the board, like early and often. It's like if you're going to, if you have like, say, you know, if, like in a basketball game, let's say, you know, 100 points are going to be scored throughout the course of the game. It's like score 90 of them in the first period. Uh -huh. And then you'll have so much trust built up the rest of the time that, you know, you don't need to score as many points later. It's, it's super important to score points early on. And then guess what? You could just stop the game in the second period. <laughs> I'm stretching the sports metaphor a little bit. But, yeah. But I, I just love there's your... mercy rules sometimes right <laughs> is that true <laughs> that's got it can't be in prof... well it wouldn't happen in professional i suppose but to, i i just love your your framing of it where you're like you know we're delivering the same feeling for a lot lower price it's like right if you focus on delivering the feeling you can probably find ways to decrease your costs in delivering that feeling so decrease your costs to as close to zero as possible and right. you know sell single phone calls if you have enough if you have enough of a pipeline you could you know phone calls are incredibly profitable and yeah. you, you know you can deliver a massive amount of value to the right person and they'll pay a thousand bucks for a 15 minute phone call or ten thousand bucks for an hour-long phone call it doesn't matter how long it is it it really just matters like how stuck they are how expensive expensive the problem is and whether or not you can get them closer to what they want in a uh not in a way but like for an amount that they're happy to have paid right yeah one of the biggest challenges of that is like i have a guy who knocks it out of the park every time he's one of the smartest people i know i could throw him at any problem and he could make someone happy but i can't put him on this cheap hamster wheel of turning these things out one after the other and so it's it's an extra like challenge element saying we want a team to do this. We want to bring up more people into this process. So it's not just this guy like So this is an employee. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the the founders. Okay. And he's a commando basically. Yes. He's not a security guard. Right. 
Right. So he's your innovation guy. So you see, so you send him out into the field to come up with new products and services. So you would, he's the type of person that can figure stuff out, land behind enemy lines and like accomplish the mission and get out alive. So that's your, that's where the innovation will come from. So if you throw all these new problems, if you find increasingly expensive problems to throw at your commando, you can then say, oh, wow, this is repeatable like this, but he's not the person to repeat it. Right. The commandos are not good at that. They get super bored. They want bigger challenges. They don't have yep. a, no, they're, they're more like a, like a, a Broadway performer. They, they can crush it in the moment, but they just like, don't ask me to like do something every day, the same thing every day, like yep. a, a cube drone. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Right. So you get operations people to do that. You get, you know, other people for whom that is fun. Like there, right. there are people that cannot stand that level of off book improvisation and would just love to be in a cover band. Like they don't want to be John Coltrane. They want to be, you know, playing at frozen fire at people's weddings. <laughs> and yeah. So you, yeah, you just have to staff that differently if you were going to use staff at all. Right. Yeah. I, like, I think it's just uh, an extra element of, of difficulty trying to figure out balancing it costing enough where you can train a team in the process, um, still delivering great value, but over time, figuring out how to reduce those costs and trade it for something that's repeatable. It's just a, a, a learning process that, that takes time and, and multiple, you know, iterations. Yes. I applaud your patience. I'm not, I don't have the patience to have employees, but you're, <laughs> but it is a good way to, it is a good way to create leverage, especially if you're using fixed prices. Um, I, I kind of, as you were saying that I was kind of picturing a snake where, where your commando guy is like the head of the snake and it's like hunting around for things. Um, and the brain, the brain part is kind of like doing the, you know, the, the kind of job that it's optimized for. And then you kind of have to digest the stuff that it catches and right. be like, all right, what do we do with this? Is this, uh, can we turn this into something and operationalize it? and and make it repeatable and start with you know maybe sops is like a great first start uh, it's easy it's easy it's sort of for someone a soloist like me i wear all those hats so i can feel when it's happening like i can i can feel the difference mm -hmm. where like some days i am just like banging my head against a text document trying to design a new workshop you know and i'm like totally in creative mode yep totally in problem solving mode. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? I'm not good enough. I, I don't know. I, I want to do anything else. I want to check social media. I don't, you know, it's, that's the mode when you're in innovation mode. And then once you, it's funny. Cause I'll like have a, a late and I'll be up all night doing like, I'm definitely a night owl when it comes to creative stuff. And then when I look back at it, like the next day, I'm like, wow, I almost don't remember doing that. Like that's uh -huh. really good, uh -huh. you know, or that's, or this piece stinks, but this, these other three things are good. And so I kind of fix it up and then I test it. And then, and then I feel myself move into the mode of COO. So the first thing is kind of like CEO, visionary, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then COO. And I'm like, okay, now I'm like writing down the steps. If I was going to hand this off to someone, these are the steps they would take so that I can, I can easily downshift into drone mode when I need to execute. And I don't want to use any creative energy because I want to save that for those late night sessions where I'm like, you know, <laughs> in, in existential crisis. Right. Uh, I don't want to existential, existential crisis about like how to go live with a webinar. It's like, it's so stupid. Right. You know, it just, that's just dumb. Wrote, follow the checklist and, and do the things. So now it's funny to imagine spreading that out, like trying to hire for each of those different roles and like spreading those oh, responsibilities. Yeah. It's, it's like, who's superpower is is attention to detail and whose yep. superpower is improvisation problem solving like yep. you don't want your problem solvers focused on you know detail-oriented tasks yeah hmm. yeah i'll say that's one of the biggest um things that i've had to like almost reverse engineer with um you know a lot of people that that advise on this level or, or um, create content about this stuff are mm -hmm solopreneurs. And so I'm constantly trying to figure out, okay, I, I get that. I could do that if I was on my own. How do I spin that in a way that works for a lot of people right. and bringing a team around it? And um, yeah, that, that whole process of um, taking 
the commando, someone who's been working hourly for 20 plus years <laughs> and say, okay, now you need to figure out how to encapsulate that into a thing that is repeatable so that I can have someone else do it. It's, it, it, it's such a mind shift and um, a labor of love. I'll call it that. Yeah. You almost need like a document, like documentarian. Is that how you say it? A documentarian to kind of, or, or like someone keeping minutes of uh, yeah. just observing like an embedded journalist in the front lines, you know, like, right. like just capturing what the person did. Right. At, it's like a fly on the wall, you know, just like recording everything. And cause the commando is going to want to move on to the next thing. They're not going to document anything. Right. It's like, yep. I did the hard part. You figured that out. <laughs> yep. But then figuring out, okay, you asked this question that doesn't mean we have to ask the same exact question the next time. It means we have to understand why they asked that question. Yeah, yeah. Right? Right. So you could, I mean, not to get overly tactical here, but it does feel like you would want to take a journalist type of person or a technical writer or someone like that who's really a real good communicator uh, and real good at documentation and almost interview the person or go through their email or their notes, like all the communications for the project from, from the very first, Hey, we think we want to hire you all the way to the, the successful delivery. Yep. Capture all that information, take a bunch of notes, almost like they're writing a book on it and then interview the commando at, you know, why did you decide this? What was going through your mind? Like the stuff that's the behind the scenes stuff that's not on the page. Yep. I would think that would be, um, I could imagine being in that mode, commando mode, and being able to do that. Like that, yeah. that being like, because it puts you on a pedestal a little bit. It, if it doesn't really require you to be creative, you're just responding to questions. But it would take right. a good interviewer. Yeah, like a, almost like a journalist type, like a business. It needs to be like a someone who knows. Yeah, that's actually an interesting role to hire, hire for. Very much. Right? Yeah. It's like, how do you know how to? What's that job description? Yeah, I can't. It's a cross between a journalist and a technical writer and like almost like an operations person. Mm -hmm. huh, that's yeah, weird. I, th I think that's part. I've pl been playing part of that role um, over the years. And yeah, we have a delivery lead where their job is um, a lot of what you're talking about, like controlling the process from, from start to finish. But um, and then when we're done with it, retro with the team, what did we like? What didn't we like? What do we want to do different? And then documenting that for the next time. Mm. Um, we're, we're, we're starting to feel those, those benefits. Um, mm. but it's been a, a long time coming. I, again, I applaud your patience. It's like, uh, it's, it's a good way to create leverage. If you can create those systems and deploy them across a bunch of different people who are, are oriented to the task at hand and, mm -hmm and really thrive doing whichever kind of work, whether it's more creative or, or more rote. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think I see the future in that. And so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's, it's been a ton of fun, but um, yeah, I appreciate, like, I think I told you when, when we met, um, I totally stumbled across your concept of ditching hourly and it has snowballed into uh, much of much of this so oh, sorry it's been fun <laughs> <laughs> cool i, I mean how, so just curious how many employees do you have uh we're like 10 plus a handful of contractors that we have do um a mm -hmm. couple odds and ends things okay, that's still it. and people are the 10 are like full-time ftes right yeah. like w2s yep. yep and so you, you got non-trivial payroll like where do you i'm just curious like where do your leads come from? How do you get enough business to keep the lights on and not be like panicking at the end of every month or the middle of yeah. the month? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we have the blessing and a curse of a large government contract mm -hmm. is one of the things, yeah. um, which is super stable. It's super reliable, just not the best um, arrangement. Um, right. And then we've started to see the fruits of all the marketing and getting um, leads in every now and then who have um, either found our content from a tactical perspective, someone who needed to do something and realized um, they needed the extra help. And so they, they kind of march the, the, the need to whoever needs uh, yeah. to be involved and um, yeah, just fill out a form on our website. And so um, those have been started to be 
more regular. And so that's, like I said, the fruits of, of all the efforts kind of put together in one. So it's, cool. it's been fun. We probably talked about this in Atlanta, but have you thought about, uh, I, I have a vague memory we did talk about this, but like, what about a training, like a yeah. self-paced video training as lead magnet, but it is paid. Yeah. So we, we did one course, um, specific to one of the Microsoft tools. Um, it was kind of, a. uh, a test very much uh let's see how it how it goes mm -hmm. uh it didn't do awesome frankly mm -hmm. and so we're we're a little bit hesitant about dipping too far into that um, yeah they do there's, cost some time and money to create yeah uh, honestly there's a ton of people in our space that do a lot of how-to content mm -hmm. um we typically lean towards why to content mm -hmm. which doesn't necessarily speak to the person the hands the person that just wants to accomplish something so mm -hmm. um we're trying to to find our way um in that arena but yeah honestly we have something uh coming up that we are gonna try to take one of the concepts that we've been teaching about like on our youtube channel and go a little bit deeper in a webinar like a paid webinar something that's like I don't know, 40 bucks or something mm -hmm. for a couple hours to dig in um just as a, a way to validate both interest in that topic as well as would it make sense to build a course off of this um you know if we can get 10 people to pay 40 dollars out of our audience does that some kind of indicator that other people will pay more for it as a mm -hmm. not scheduled something they can keep forever right unquote. right yeah I, i'm a big fan of that idea i think that's cool i think the thing that we um talked about in atlanta was trying to outsource the hands work uh if if a organization is trying to outsource their hands work um and us giving a subscription to do that uh in the same um vein as like design joy if you've um followed yeah. along with them yeah. right i don't know if that's the way to go and i think you were suggesting to do some sort of alternative boot camp kind of thing as opposed to selling the hands work so uh, I, <laughs> I am generally against hands work. I'm always against hands work. If it's a soloist, always 100% of the time, don't you, you'll never get anywhere. Yeah. Um, if you have hands though, if you have like a high inventory of hands, <laughs> yep. then, then it's an approach. I mean, it, it doesn't not work. It's just like, is that where you want to go? Right. right. So, so like when you've got options and you could do different things, it's like, where do you want to create the leverage? If you're, right. you know, good, you like, you enjoy, like literally enjoy leading a team and want to get better at it. And you, you read books about it on the weekend and like, you're that kind of person, then yeah, that's like, to me, that's a, a green flag, like have employees, you know, do it. If that's the way you want to go, if you like enjoy that sort of thing, um, the, the, you know, the, the thing with hands work is if that's the thing that you're selling, if that's the thing that they think they want and that's and you're like oh there's demand for hands to do this it's almost never high profit if because because yeah. they're just thinking about it in a particular way that's low profit it's like driving to the home depot and getting a bunch of guys to to jump in the back of your pickup to go do lawns you don't care who the guys are you don't you just don't care you just want the leaves like you just have these commitments right. that you need to 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 keep in order to run everybody's credit cards at the end of the month so yep it's a it's a, it's almost a business model decision even though it's not technically a business i don't think it's technically a business model decision but it almost becomes that because you're deciding to be low profit so it becomes a volume play yep and then what protections can you put in place to try to preserve profit it's it's, it's a totally like backwards it's a low margin game so yeah. so which is which is predictable so the nice thing about low margin games is they're pretty predictable mm -hmm. the but the thing is like you're it was a creative conference you're in a creative space you're like an expert at a particular thing so so commoditizing it is almost like throwing away your lead it's like tying a hand behind your back yeah so to speak it's yeah. like wait wait we actually know what we're doing so we could could meet with the partner with the client upstream when they're deciding what to do in the first place whether or not they should even pick this platform whether or not they sh should hire internally or outsource it like these decisions that the ceo or the cio might make 
like if you're capable of playing at that altitude, it's way more profitable. <laughs> it's like, right. you know, totally. and when I say more profitable, I mean, percentage wise, like work to value, like cost to value, it's more profitable. Revenue wise might not be, but you could be making a million dollars a year or $10 million a year and losing 11. Right. It's not about revenue is a vanity metric. Right. So it's like, it's like, what, what's the game plan here is the game plan to get a bunch of commodity labor and sell the inventory of hands that we have or the inventory of hours that we have and just keep increasing the inventory because until it meets the demand and we'll probably never meet the demand. That's a move. It's definitely yeah. a move. It becomes, it becomes like, well, what kind of a company do I want to have? Yeah. Is it expertise based consultative thing? And I'll say it's, it's, it's at odds. I'm fully aware it's, a, it's at odds with our advisory type services. And so one thing I've made very intentional is I have framed it as a different brand. Basically mm -hmm. it's like a product of bulb digital. It's not, yeah. it's not one of the services um, on our page. So it's, yeah. I'm trying to separate myself from it a little bit. Um, I'll say that the one time that it makes, it made sense to us was we had a client where we advised with them on the strategic level help them with a little bit of hand stuff. And then we had trained up one of their resources and then that resource went and got a different job. And so this client's like, oh my gosh, can you help us? And so that's why we started to, to say, we really want to help. What's the best way to do it without selling our time? So, yeah, I mean, there's demand for foot rubs too, but it doesn't mean you're going to start selling them. <laughs> right. So, right. so yeah, it's, it, my... it's hard to say no to work. Like, like it reminds me of the classic, um, I don't know who said this, but there's a lot of ways to make money. Some are more just, some are more right than others. Right. <laughs> That's a good, I've never heard that one. <laughs> so it's, it's just, you know, you gotta be willing to do it, but it's not for everybody. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, I see it, you know, right or wrong doesn't have anything to do with what I'm about to say, but what I see is as a soloist, there's like, broadly speaking, I think there are three altitudes of involvement with a client. Mm -hmm. The top it's strategy in the middle, it's implementation and at the bottom it's maintenance. Mm -hmm. And a soloist might have a foot in two adjacent ones at the same time, but definitely not three. Yeah. Maybe two, but preferably one and only, only two while they're transitioning to the higher one. So, either pick one and do it or be in one and be transitioning to the next one. And you've kind of got like some old clients on the old one and you've got new clients on the new one. So, you know, someone who's like a maintenance person could, could move their way up into implementation and then someone from implementation could move up into strategy and they're going to have a foot in both worlds, probably for some period of time, six months, 18 months, whatever. Um, a, a business with, like your size, maybe 10 employees can probably operate indefinitely in two adjacent altitudes, but not three. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't make sense because being in the business of maintenance, mopping up puke in the hallway looks bad. If you're also trying to sell architecture services, right? Like you could <laughs> like, you yep. know, the people, but it, you know, it's like the, the brain surgeon piercing ears at the pagoda in the mall. It doesn't, it, it's like, they could spend their weekends doing that. They're qualified to do it. There's demand for it, but it calls their, their, their surgery into question. It's like, if you were good at brain surgery, why are you piercing ears on the weekend? It's the same with like, if you were so good at strategic uh, planning for office 365 implementations, why are you like creating and deleting email accounts for us <laughs> yep. on a monthly basis? It doesn't make sense. It's like, that should be a waste of your time. So if you're, if you're doing all three at your size, if you're doing all three, it's a bad look for your high ticket stuff. I think it's a negative. I think it's a negative. Yeah. So smart to keep it separate. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it is a challenge for sure. And I appreciate the, the advisement it's, we come from a world where it's like, Hey, we're going to build you this thing. Here's our hourly rate. And then here it is, it's built and they say, okay, well, what do I do if it breaks? And so it's like, oh, well, we'll be, let's do a monthly support thing. And then that creates the relationship where it's like, oh, hey, remember when we did that thing a year ago, we want to add on to that. And then it like rinse and repeat. Uh, it is, it's a little bit of a monster that you create for yourself, which you, 
you can make money off of, but it it is, you're right, at odds with, hey, we're going to come in and be strategic and set you on the right path and push you out of the nest. Yeah, I mean, what you, yeah, exactly, right? That's a good way to put it. But the, what you just described for a company of your size is really only two, two altitudes, build right. and maintain. Right, yep. If you want to go up to, you know, the profitability, you know, if you eventually, if the plan, it might not be the plan, if the plan is eventually to make the bulk of your revenue from a strategic level engagement, you know, like Bill Gates is like Bill Gates might do or, right. you know, whoever, Sanjay or whatever, um, Satya, it, the, it's just a, it's just strategic decision. It's like, okay, what, what's our objective? What kind of business do we want to have? Do I want to be the kind of person that creates jobs for 50 people and get and and gives them something some some place to thrive that's perfect i mean it's totally it's not my path but that's totally valid Mm -hmm. and if that's what you want then that probably looks like probably almost definitely looks like a bunch of people operating in the build altitude almost for sure because you don't need lots of people you don't need 50 people unless you're mckinsey you don't need 50 people operating at the strategic level you need one or two tops right so so yeah, if you want to help people get a leg up in the world and give them opportunities and, and a safe, reliable job, you're probably going to be doing some build. And if you want to get to like a hundred employees, then you're probably going to be doing support and probably not going to be well known for strategy work. Mm-hmm. Yep. They are at odds for sure. Mm. Yeah. There's a certain, there's a whiff, there's something going on. There. There's a whiff, whiff of desperation if you're taking all comers. Right. Yep. It's well, been, you got no, me talking. It, we could be, we could go all day for sure. Well, <laughs> Is there anything you were hoping to ask or get to, bef- you know, as we're sort of wrapping up here? No, I, I think, I think we've been talking about it is just how to take someone with your uh, positioning who is advising typically small or solopreneurs and how do you, are there any secrets to to abstracting that into a larger um, company. And I think we've been digging into that a bit. And um, there's, I, I, I don't think there's a clear, clear answer. I think it's you just take the good out of the principles of what you stand for and try to apply it um, at a larger size. Yeah, it's true. I, I think the high level, the, the certainly the theory of, of cost price value applies to every business. Mm-hmm. That's super important. And the, and deciding, the idea of deciding what kind of business you want to create applies to everybody. I mean, it's, it's easy to create the business that responds to the demand that you're exposed to, but is that the business you want to create? Like, that's a really important thing that applies to everybody that's running their own business. And then maybe the altitude thing I think is pretty universal as well, where it's really hard to operate at three altitudes unless you have like a hundred people at least. Right. Oh, that just reminded me what I was going to say is we were giving away the the strategy first, right? Like we were pretty common in the sales process, just giving it all away so that we could get the implementation work. Right. Right. And now we're putting up a little bit of a wall in that process and saying, Hey, you gotta, you gotta get in bed with us a little bit uh, (laughs) in order to to get our hands. Yeah. 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 That's a very David C. Baker thing. It's like coming through the strategy door. Right. Totally, totally agree with that. Um, but that does for for a, a ten person shop that does kind of indicate that you're going to want to minimize or at least hide the maintenance stuff, the support stuff. Yep. Yeah, we've actually even considered like, do we only offer that to existing clients that we particularly like? Oh yeah. Versus oh, without a doubt, I would say yes yeah. to that. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You only want to be supporting your own code, and you only want to be working with clients who aren't onerous. Yep. Yep. That's. That goes to say, like, I think what, what you're touching on here is, uh, this can all be whatever we want it to be. Right. It's, it's all made up in a sense. And, um, it's really fun to kind of piece it all together and create something, um, from nothing essentially. Yeah. It's the best value creation, creativity. That's how wealth is created. That's how it's, it's how humans, humanity, whatever you want to call it. It's like, it's like why we're not sitting in caves trying to like make sparks with rocks. Right. <laughs> it's the right. best. Yep. It's the most fun game ever. Yeah. It's turned into a a hobby of mine that I did not anticipate when I t- 
took a job to be a software developer here, you know, yeah, it's evolved for sure. It's been a ton of fun. Cool. Well, great. Where can people go to find out more about what you guys are doing? Yeah. Head to, um, www.bulb.digital. We have one of the, the fancy, we're, we're not.com we're dot digital. So there's, there's no.com at the end. <laughs> Must be expensive. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find, like I said, we, we have blogs out there and YouTube and, and we just try to help people as much as we can. Um, and then if, if people develop enough of a relationship with us that they want extra help, we, we try to make that apparent and uh, give easy ways to do that. So yeah, feel free to head out there. Perfect. Thanks so much, Mitch. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hey, Jonathan again. Do you have questions about how to improve your business? Things like value pricing your work instead of billing for your time or positioning yourself as the go-to person in your space, or maybe productizing your services. So you never have to have another awkward sales call or spend hours writing another custom proposal. Book a one-on-one coaching call with me and get answers to these questions and others in the time it takes you to get ready for work in the morning. Best of all, you're covered by my 100% satisfaction guarantee. If at the end of the call, you don't feel like it was worth it, just say the word and I'll refund your purchase in full. To book your one-on-one coaching call, go to jonathanstark.com slash call, C-A-L-L. That URL again is jonathanstark.com slash call. Hope to see you there.